Hello, world. I'm Roger Corville, and this is For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible, where we read through the scriptures conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in his world. You ready? Let's roll. Welcome. In contemporary usage, the word zeal or zealous is positive, right? Like the fervor in advancing a cause or in rendering service. In the Bible, though, being zealous can be positive or negative. But generally, in the book of Second Peter, being zealous is a good thing in light of dealing with suffering as well as the dangers of seducers and scoffers. Hey, hopeful. Welcome to For the Hope's Listener-supported daily audio Bible where we read through every word of God's revelation of himself and consider our own life and work stories in light of that, including as we turn to our New Testament segment today, uh, finishing up Second Peter. And I'm going to remind us that Peter is writing to Christians who are scattered and splattered, dealing with suffering as well as the dangers of seducers and scoffers. And in addition to his warning, he offers positive teaching as a counter to that. And I'll do a very brief summary of that in our closing reflection. Got a long uh, Old Testament segment today, so that will be very brief. But let's get after it. Second Peter chapter 3. Dear friends, this is now the second letter I have written to you. In both letters, I want to stir up your sincere understanding by way of reminder so that you recall the words previously spoken by the holy prophets and the command of our Lord and Savior given through your apostles. Above all, be aware of this. Scoffers will come in the last days, scoffing and following their own evil desires, saying, Where is his coming that he promised? Ever since our ancestors fell asleep, all things continue as they have been since the beginning of creation. They deliberately overlook this. By the word of God, the heavens came into being long ago, and the earth was brought about from water and through water. Through these, the world of that time perished when it was flooded. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are stored up for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Dear friends, don't overlook this one fact. With the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day. The Lord does not delay his promise, as some understand delay, but he's patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. On that day, the heavens will pass by with a loud noise, the elements will burn and be dissolved, and the earth and the works on it will be disclosed. Since all these things are to be dissolved in this way, it is clear what sort of people you should be in holy conduct and godliness as you wait for the day of God and hasten its coming. Because of that day, the heavens will be dissolved with fire and the elements will melt with heat. But based on his promise, we wait for new heavens and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Therefore, dear friends, while you wait for these things, Make every effort to be found without spot or blemish in his sight, at peace. Also, regard the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our dear brother Paul has written to you according to the wisdom given to him. He speaks about these things in all his letters. 
There are some things that are hard to understand in them. The untaught and the unstable will twist them to their own destruction, as they also do the rest of the scriptures. Therefore, dear friends, since you know this in advance, be on your guard so that you are not led away by the error of lawless people and fall in from your own stable position, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. And my friends, that is Second chap, uh, Second Peter chapter 3 and the end of Second Peter. By the way, quickie, a little aside, did you notice how here he regards Paul's letters as scriptures? Go read that again. It's just pretty amazing, right? <laughs> they knew that what they were writing was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And I love his address saying, dear friends, right? It's like he's saying, I'm not doing this to be a heresy hunter or a Debbie Downer. It's because I love you. Well, my friends, now uh, let's turn to the Old Testament and a chunk of the Old Testament that doesn't really even need an intro. So I'll let this passage, uh, which is a little longer today than usual, speak for itself. Genesis chapter 39. Now Joseph had been taken to Egypt. An Egyptian named Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and the captain of the guards, brought him, da- brought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, serving in the household of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made everything he did successful, jo- Joseph found favor with his master and became his personal attendant. Potiphar also put him in charge of his household and placed all that he owned under his authority. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house because of Joseph. The Lord's blessing was on all that he owned, in his house and in his fields, and he left all that he owned under Joseph's authority. He did not concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. Now, Joseph was well-built and handsome. After some time, his master's wife looked longingly at Joseph and said, Sleep with me. But he refused. Look, he said to his master's wife, With me here, my master does not concern himself with anything in his house, and he's put all that he owns under my authority. No one in this house is greater than I am. He has not withheld anything from me except you, because you're his wife. So how could I do this immense evil, and how could I sin against God? Although she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her. Now one day he went into the house to do his work, and none of the household servants were there. She grabbed him by his garment and said, Sleep with me! But leaving his garment in her hand, he escaped and ran outside. And when she saw that he had left his garment with her and had run outside... She called her household servants. Look, she said to them, my wom- my husband brought a Hebrew man to make fools of us. He came to me so he could sleep with me, and I screamed as loud as I could. And when he heard me screaming for help, he left his garment beside me and ran outside. Now, she put Joseph's garment beside her until his master came home. Then she told him the same story. The Hebrew slave you brought to us came to make a fool of me, but when I screamed for help, he left his garment beside me and ran outside. 
When his master heard the story his wife told him, saying, These are the things your slave did to me, he was furious and had him thrown into prison where the king's prisoners were confined. So Joseph was there in prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him. He granted favor with the prison warden. The warden put all the prisoners who were in the prison under Joseph's authority, and he was responsible for everything that was done there. The warden did not bother with anything under Joseph's authority because the Lord was with him, and the Lord made everything he did successful. After this, the king of Egypt's cupbearer and baker offended their master, the king of Egypt, and Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guards in the prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guards assigned Joseph to them as their personal attendant, and they were in custody for some time. Now the king of Egypt's cupbearer and baker, who were confined in the prison, each had a dream. Both had a dream on the same night. Each dream had its own meaning. And when Joseph came to them in the morning, he saw that they looked distraught. So he asked Pharaoh's officers, who were in custody with him in the master's house, Why do you look so sad today? We had dreams, they said to him, but there is no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, Don't interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. So the chief cupbearer told his dream to Joseph. In my dream there was a vine in front of me, and on the vine there were three branches, and as soon as it budded, its blossoms came out and its clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. This is his interpretation, Joseph said to him. The three branches are three days. In just three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position. You will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand the way you used to when you were his cupbearer. But when all goes well for, for you, remember that I was with you. Please show kindness to me by mentioning me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. For I was kidnapped from the land of Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing that they should put me in the dungeon. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was positive, he said to Joseph, I also had a dream. Three baskets of white bread were on my head. In the top basket were all sorts of baked goods for Pharaoh, but the birds kept eating them out of the basket on my head. This is its interpretation, Joseph replied. The three baskets are three days. In just three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from off you and hang you on a tree. Then the birds will eat the flesh from your body. On the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, he gave a feast for all his servants. He elevated the chief cupbearer and the chief baker among his servants. Pharaoh restored the chief cupbearer to his position as cupbearer, and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But Pharaoh hanged the chief baker just as Joseph had explained to them. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. At the end of two years, Pharaoh had a dream. Uh, yeah, that's Pharaoh now. And we're starting into chapter 41. He was standing beside the Nile when seven healthy-looking, well-fed cows came up from the Nile and began to graze among the reeds. After them, seven other cows, sickly and thin, came up from the Nile and stood beside those cows along the bank of the Nile. And the sickly, thin cows ate the healthy, well-fed cows. And then Pharaoh woke up. He fell asleep again and dreamed a second time. 
Seven heads of grain, plump and good, came up on one stalk, and after them, seven heads of grain, thin and scorched by the east wind, sprouted up. The thin heads of grain followed up the seven plump full ones, or swallowed up the seven plump full ones. And then Pharaoh woke up, and it was only a dream. When morning came, he was troubled, so he summoned all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today I remember my faults. Pharaoh was angry with his servants, and he put me and the chief baker in the custody of the captain of the guards. He and I had dreams on the same night. Each dream had its own meaning, and now a young Hebrew, a slave of the captain of the guards, was with us there. And we told him our dreams. He interpreted our dreams for us, and each had its own interpretation. It turned out just the way he interpreted them to us. I was restored to my position, and the other man was hanged. Then Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and they quickly brought him from the dungeon. He shaved, changed his clothes, and went to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I've had a dream, and no one can interpret it. But I've heard it said about you that you can hear a dream and interpret it. I am not able to, Joseph answered Pharaoh. It is God who will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, In my dream I was standing on the bank of the Nile, and when seven well-fed healthy cows came up from the Nile and grazed among the reeds, after them seven other cows, weak and sickly and thin, came up, and I have never seen such sickly ones as these in all the land of Egypt. Then the thin, sickly cows ate the first seven well-fed cows, and when they had devoured them, you could not tell that they had devoured them. Their appearance was as bad as it had been before. And then I woke up. In my dream I also saw seven heads of grain full and good coming up on one stalk, and after them seven heads of grain, withered thin and scorched by the east wind, sprouted up. Then the thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven good ones, and I told this to the magicians, but no one can tell me what it means. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, Pharaoh's dreams mean the same thing. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do, meaning God's about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads are seven years. The dreams mean the same thing. The seven thin, sickly cows that came up after them are seven years, and the seven worthless heads of grain scorched by the east wind are seven years of famine. It is just as I told Pharaoh. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do, Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt. After then, seven years of famine will take place, and all the abundance in the land of Egypt will be forgotten. The famine will devastate the land. The abundance of the land will not be remembered because of the famine that follows it, for the famine will be very severe. Since the dream has given, been given twice to Pharaoh, it means that the matter has been determined by God, and he will carry it out soon. So now... Let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this. Let him appoint overseers over the land and take a fifth of the harvest of the land of Egypt during the seven years of abundance and let them gather all the excess food during these good years that are coming and under Pharaoh's authority store the grain in the cities so that they may preserve it as food. The food will be a reserve for the land during the seven years of famine that will take place in the land of Egypt and then the country will not be wiped out by famine. Well, the proposal pleased Pharaoh and all his servants, and he said to them, 
Can we find anyone like this, a man who has God's spirit in him? So Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one as discerning and wise as you are. You will be over my house, and all my people will obey your commands. Only I, as king, will be greater than you. Pharaoh also said to Joseph, See, I am placing you over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand, clothed him with fine linen garments, and placed a gold chain around his neck. He had Joseph ride in his second chariot, and servants called out before him, Make way! So he placed him over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and no one will be able to raise his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt without your permission. Pharaoh gave Joseph the name Zaphonath-Paniah and gave him a wife, Asenath, daughter of Botapherah, priest of On. And Joseph went throughout the land of Egypt. And my friends, that gets us up through chapter 41 verse 45 and um quick little wisdom segment today and i think it kind of just relates to i don't know scoffers and sneerers and <laughs> what did i say before seducers and scoffers proverbs 30 verses 15 and 16 the leech has two daughters Give, give. Three things are never satisfied. Four never say enough. Sheol, a childless womb. Earth, which is never satisfied with water. And fire, which never says enough. My friends, Second Peter uses the word zeal at least four different times in those three chapters. And Peter argues that it's important for us to grow, to be preparing for God's return or Jesus' return, and to be zealous for God's purposes. And of course, this is an antidote of sorts. It's rather applicable today, even, because most of us, sooner or later, are beset by suffering or seducers or scoffers at some point. And if Peter's avuncular love has anything to say, it'd behoove us to remember that the reality of Jesus' life, even in the present, the Christian faith as the way of truth, and the certainty of Jesus' return should undergird all we do and be and are. I love you, my friends. Amen. Amen.